and welcome to the December 16th episode of Investing Beyond Borders, a podcast from Miranda Law Firm that brings you regular insight on investment opportunities and legal and regulatory updates from throughout the Miranda Alliance world. This week, we bring you news on energy sector and agriculture news from Angola, transport developments in Equatorial Guinea, Senegal and Timor-Leste, tax changes in Mozambique, the H2MED hydrogen pipeline in Portugal, and other major developments in our jurisdictions. Sit back, relax, and enjoy investing beyond borders. Diana, over to you. We start this week's episode with news that the United States of America is pledging $55 billion US dollars in economic, health, and security support for Africa over the next three years. The announcement was made one day before President Biden hosted 50 African heads of state at the second US-Africa Leaders Summit in Washington, D.C. The three-day summit focused on key challenges including the climate crisis, good governance, food security, and global health, as well as bolstering U.S.-Africa trade and investment opportunities. Shindalena Lorenzo from Miranda Alliance's Angola office and an officer of the U.S.-Angola Chamber of Commerce traveled to Washington, D.C. with the Angolan delegation to participate in the business-focused events. Meanwhile, the European Union and Angola have concluded a sustainable investment facilitation agreement in an effort to promote investment while integrating environment and labor rights commitments in the EU-Angola relationship. The agreement will boost investment by implementing transparency and predictability of investment-related measures, simplifying investment authorization procedures and fostering e-government, as well as by facilitating interactions between investors and the administration. Additionally, the agreement will promote sustainability in investments by implementing international labor and environmental agreements, such as the Paris Agreement, promoting responsible business conduct through the uptake of international standards in companies, strengthening bilateral cooperation on investment-related aspects of climate change and gender equality policies, and ensuring dialogue with civil society on the implementation of the agreement. On the energy front, Angola is finalizing a 30-year master plan for natural gas and has called on foreign investors to consider the country's business opportunities. Speaking at the opening of the Angola Oil and Gas International Conference, Angolan President João Lourenço mentioned several structural natural gas projects being implemented right now in Angola. He highlighted the new gas consortium, whose goal is to ensure continuous supply to the Angola LNG plant and the Soyo combined cycle thermal power plant, as well as sustain the implementation of other industrial projects. The Angolan government is investing 5.7 billion US dollars in grain production over the next five years. Under the National Plan for the Development of Grain Production, over 6 million tons of wheat, rice, soy and corn will be produced to increase agricultural production rates in the country. Alongside the Agricultural Promotion Program, the government will invest 300 million US dollars to finance the development of meat production, as well as improve the existing livestock sector infrastructure in the country under the National Plan for the Promotion and Development of Livestock. 300 million US dollars will also be mobilized as part of the National Plan for Fishing Development to finance the promotion of entrepreneurial fishing activity and increase the production and transformation of fish and salt. 
to fast-track Angola's development in the next five years, the government is preparing the new National Development Plan for the period of 2023 to 2027. The pillars of the new plan include the development of human capital, with emphasis on education, health, employment, entrepreneurship, and professional training. The modernization and expansion of the country's infrastructure, focusing on mobility, roads, railways, housing, energy, and water as well as the diversification of the economy, with a special focus on improving the business environment, agribusiness, industry, fisheries and tourism. In Cape Verde, the government is considering a public-private partnership to build the National Hospital of Cape Verde, a project estimated at 65 million euros, for which the government is counting on partnering up with the International Finance Corporation and the World Bank. According to the Minister of Finance, this is a project that fits into the main priorities identified to prepare the country for the epidemiological and demographic trends, which include expanding the country's tertiary care capacity, improving the quality of health care, and reducing external patient evacuations. The government of Equatorial Guinea is analyzing the bids submitted by Abu Dhabi Ports and al Bayraq for the management of the ports of Equatorial Guinea. Abu Dhabi Ports is part of the AD Ports Group, a comprehensive logistics company with a global network of partners and is the exclusive developer and regulator of ports and related infrastructure in Abu Dhabi. On the other hand, al Bayraq Holding is a Turkey-based group with over 50 companies. As a global investor, it has increasingly focused on its activities in the port management, public transport, waste management, and real estate sectors in four different countries in Asia and Africa. Cameroon and Equatorial Guinea are set to seal a gas deal. After years in the making, the cross-border energy cooperation deal is now going ahead, and despite there being some details to be negotiated, the signing ceremony should take place in the next few months. This new deal will boost natural gas operations in both countries and should also benefit Marathon Oil and its Bioko liquefaction plant, as well as Chevron, which operates in both countries. Over in Mozambique, Parliament has approved revisions to the country's tax code and fiscal reforms as part of the PAE, an economic stimulus package launched by the President last August. The most substantial change was a specific consumption tax levied on special consumer goods requiring differentiated treatment for different reasons, such as goods considered harmful to public health and the environment and superfluous or luxury items, among others. These changes will reduce fiscal burden through the adoption of the customs value as a taxable amount instead of the incidence added to customs duties, implementing the principle of tax justice. In addition, the approved legislation will extend specific consumption taxation on fuels. Instead of taxation based on a fuel tax, it now follows best international practice and thus allows greater fiscal efficiency. Also approved was the reduction of the withholding tax levied on the income of non-resident entities in Mozambique, which provide services to national agricultural companies, from 20% to 10%. Finally, Parliament also approved the reduction of VAT from 17% to 16% for all goods and exempted agricultural equipment and electrification imports. Despite taking 80 million US dollars a year from the state's revenue, these changes were deemed necessary by the government as they're aimed at boosting the recovery of the country's economy. 
Mozambique e-visa platform has gone live. Also developed under the PAE, the online visa application system aims to improve Mozambique's business environment while increasing the country's competitiveness in attracting foreign direct investment, leisure and business tourism. The system thus facilitates the pre-approval of selected visa types, including border visas, crew visas, sport and culture visas, humanitarian assistant visas, business visas, investment visas and tourism visas, for which applicants can apply directly on the site. E-Visa also allows for third-party applications, making it easier for travelers applying as a group to enter the country. The measure will also grant investment visas for extended periods of time to foreigners holding investments in Mozambique. Mozambique hosted the Renewables Business Conference earlier this month, showcasing the country's enormous potential in the sector. Not only is Mozambique rich in renewable energy resources, but it has also set ambitious targets to meet SDG 7. The country also has a favorable regulatory framework, projects identified in all segments and technologies, tenders released for IPPs and mini-grids, a wide range of support from cooperation partners and their programs, and an ambitious private sector with experience in the market. A smart eco-city is being planned for the southern Mozambican district of Maracuene. The cost of development of the Uxene Smart City, which will take up an area of 610 hectares and accommodate over 100,000 people, is estimated at 3.5 billion US dollars. The new city will include housing, a business center, a logistics park, a hospital, a university and many other infrastructures. A solar power station will also be installed as the city will prioritize renewable energy. Over in Europe, the leaders of Portugal, Spain and France have unveiled the H2MED Energy Interconnection Project, the EU's first hydrogen pipeline to connect the Iberian Peninsula with the rest of Europe. The project is set to be operational in 2030 and has an estimated cost of 2.5 billion euros. H2MED is being presented as a project of common interest, which will give the developer access to European funding sources, such as Connecting Europe, which can cover up to 50% of eligible initiatives. The president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, praised the project and stated its importance for the environment and for the EU's energy independence and security of supply. The Portuguese Prime Minister, António Costa, highlighted the project's significance as it will strengthen the country's position as a producer and exporter of energy. Portuguese exports to Portuguese-speaking African countries increased by 33.8% per kilo of goods sold, with the total revenue increasing from 1.1 billion euros from January to September 2021 to 1.6 billion in the same period this year. Senegal will receive a 166 million euro loan from the African Development Bank for the 200-kilometer Dakar-St. Louis Highway, which is expected to boost growth and regional trade integration. The road will connect the country's capital city to its center for sugar production and planned hub for offshore gas exploitation, St. Louis. It is a pivotal project for Senegal's growing economy and it could play a crucial role in the export of gas through the port of Dakar. The road is also expected to improve the Cairo-Dakar Trans-African Highway and increase intra-African trade, notably by giving easier access to the Moroccan coastal city of Tangier, the biggest port in Africa. It should also connect Senegal to Mauritania, as well as open up the country's north and diversify the economy beyond Dakar. 
The Senegalese government is diversifying its partners to attract foreign investment. The country is planning to deepen its cooperation with traditional strategic partners while exploring avenues of cooperation with other countries such as emerging countries in Asia and Latin America. The government has also reaffirmed its willingness to strengthen its relations with other African nations. Finally, in Timor-Leste, the new Tibar Bay port, the first public-private partnership project in the country and in which Miranda was directly involved, was inaugurated. The new and modern port, which replaces the port of Dili, was built under a PPP between the government of Timor-Leste, which contributed 130 million US dollars through the Viability Gap Fund, and Timor Port, a subsidiary of Bolohe, which invested 150 million US dollars. The total estimated investment is to reach 500 million US dollars over 30 years. This new commercial port, built by China Harbor Engineering Company, will improve Timor-Leste's maritime connectivity in the Asia-Pacific region, linking Timor-Leste to global trade markets. It will also increase the country's commercial access to other markets in sectors such as agriculture, tourism, fisheries, livestock, and other industries, allowing Timor-Leste to diversify its production. During a visit to Dili, the Portuguese Secretary of State for Internationalization announced Portugal's support to Timor-Leste in removing obstacles to Portuguese investment in the Southeast Asian nation. According to the member of government, Timor-Leste has immense investment potential and offers remarkable opportunities to create a Portuguese investment movement in the country. The Secretary of State stated he is committed to identifying Portuguese organizations willing to work with their Timorese counterparts to identify and eliminate roadblocks to investment, particularly Portuguese investment. We hope you enjoy this episode of Investing Beyond Borders. We will be suspending our podcast over the festive season, and we will be back with you on January 13 with more developments in the Miranda Alliance world. Please join us then for more news from the 19 Miranda Alliance jurisdictions. In the meantime, you can drop by our website or LinkedIn page, where you will find more updates on our activity and legal developments of interest to our clients and followers. We wish you, your co-workers and respective families, a joyous holiday season and a safe, healthy and prosperous 2023. This podcast was brought to you by Miranda Law Firm and Miranda Alliance. You can find out more about our worldwide activities and assistance to investors at www.mirandalawfirm.com. This episode was presented by Diana Teodoro from our Lisbon office and Luis Miranda from the Houston office. Content was developed exclusively for Miranda by the Miranda Alliance podcast team. Technical support is provided by Hugo Ribeiro from our communications department. All content is subject to copyright and protected by law.